We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And oh, I am a ball of emotions. We're recording very late at night. I've been looking forward to possibly could the Lakers get to this playoff mark, like actually secured into a spot where we're healthy and somebody has to beat us four times, D. And I was like, oh, I'm going to pop a bottle of wine that night. I'm going to be, you know, doing backflips. <laughs> nope. 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 Not in, a, in a season in really the most arduous and stressful season. And that's not always bad. Right. But in a season that was never easy, a game that really epitomized a lot of it against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Much of it self-inflicted, but of very game performance by the T-Wolves. I thought they were great on the defensive end in particular. Then the Lakers went on a defensive run of their own. I'm spent, D. Like, I think we're all tired and exhausted, but we made it to the playoffs. We did make it to the playoffs, and Mike, Mike was there. And so we are recording... It's actually now Wednesday morning, based off of the watch that I'm looking at now. Look at it, us. It, so we recorded early Tuesday morning. And yeah, we this is our normal schedule. We're on an old man schedule of like, yeah, yes. can you record at 830? Great. You know, and all three of us, that works out great for us. This 12, 15 a.m. stuff, man, this was uh, younger days. So, Mike, we recorded this morning, and I think we all had a certain level of, of confidence coming into this game while acknowledging, I think, the path forward for the Timberwolves to to compete and potentially even win this game. And it was going to take more than just the Timberwolves playing well. It was going to take the Lakers being um, a certain version of themselves that we've seen many times over the course of this season. And I just want to kick it to you with that sort of lead in because I think we got a lot of what we talked about this morning to various degrees. And it created the type of game that was both stressful and exhilarating and angst filled. But the Lakers 
came out on top at the very end. So what did you see from your view? <sighs> As I audibly <laughs> sighed, <laughs> you know, two, just two, there's two totally different things. The yes. first one yes. is to acknowledge that the Lakers absolutely accomplished a Hell yeah. difficult goal to get to. Hell and yeah. they did. They just did. They turned things around completely from the 13 seed, six games below 500 in the middle of February. And they're now the seventh seed. That's locked in. They're going to play Memphis. Team's going to leave on Friday. Uh, I mean, so that that happened. This game to me, and I think in some ways is indicative of how the season has gone aside from sort of this push, but even including some of it, it just wasn't good enough. And it was very like the first half, especially they did not meet the intensity of Minnesota overall. Like there were some players that did, there were some moments that they did, but Minnesota was just scrapping and battling and clawing. And it seemed like six sets of hands every time the Lakers actually drove in. And I liked the the way that the game was refereed, uh, generally speaking. Um, mm-hmm. And they, for the most part, let them play, but that did not play into the hands of the way that the Lakers were sort of expecting it, I think to happen. Uh, and, but it just there were there were pockets of things that happened in that first half that that did not go how I expected them to go, and that that doesn't happen all the time. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it the build up to it mentally to me was was sort of going a certain direction, um, and then it really did sort of tilt back to, uh, to and show some of what the Lakers' weaknesses are. Um, I thought, and it let Minnesota kind of gain that upper hand, but you know credit to them and they absolutely destroyed what Minnesota was trying to do in the fourth quarter defensively. Mm-hmm. They didn't score literally from the six minute mark until AD followed Conley with 0.1 seconds left somehow. And, uh, and so that like, that's what won in the game um, on top of some excellent contributions off the bench. Schroeder and Hachimura really saved them yes. um, when yes. there were some other guys that were faltering. And I know we're going to get into, get into all of it, but the I actually when you were going to Pete, I think originally you were going to go to me and say, like, what was it like in the arena? I kind of needed to kick it back to you almost. And I gave you some original things there, but like this is a game that I need to actually watch back because in the arena, it's it's a considering the pressure of the moment and the Lakers wanting to avoid playing on Friday and the expectations of the fans and the fans just begging for something to actually cheer for. And they were great. You know, it's it's. I need to see like what it looked like on the TV screen, some more of like what the Lakers were actually doing wrong, or did it just seem like that because of the nature of the moment? And, you know, and maybe I was a little, usually it's the other way around. I feel like I'm a little bit less critical in this, in this case, I felt like I might've been more critical um, just because of the stakes in the moment and what they didn't reach. So I'm very curious to hear of the full breakdown from you two. Well, I haven't done my rewatch yet, and D, I always feel like you've got a better immediate recall than I do. However, a lot of it was just simple mistakes, like, and it was such a contrast to how the Timberwolves played in terms of, first of all, the way they defend the three-point line is just philosophically completely different than how we do. And so they're getting up into D'Lo. D'Lo was super sped up. First shot of the game goes clanking off of the backboard. We'll talk more about D'Lo later because he's going to be a very important figure in ways that we saw some of the bad in him in, in big games. This isn't the first game in a playoff type of setting that he's had like this. And so let's table that that for now. But the it was a lot of like not closing out to shooters, not 
getting back on defense, just not a, te- a level of attention to detail combined with terrific play from yeah. the Timberwolves. Like Kyle Anderson was so good on defense as a team defender. Just everybody was doing their jobs. Carl Anthony Towns was amazing to start that game. But there's a reason the same group of talent also completely shut their water off toward the end of the game. And so this is very much like a sustainment type of thing. And I really go back to the playing four bad basketball games leading up to a game like this. The beginning of this game against a, a team that was physical, that still had dudes and still had was able to run their offense with the guys that they had, you know, that it was a splash of cold water to our face. And so I thought that was reflected in the way that we defended and just kind of a level of seriousness with like taking care of the ball and correctable things. But man, we, we were, we're a long way off in terms of execution. It's interesting because... The Lakers did make a lot of mistakes, but that happens when a team puts you on your heels very early. And Mm -hmm. there's multiple parts to competing in a high stakes game. And it was interesting because you both brought up this idea of like the way that the Lakers were trending mentally and but the that old idea of iron sharpens iron. Yeah. The Lakers have not been getting sharpened no. by their most recent opponents. And the Timberwolves backfooted them a bunch, right? And it really did put the Lakers on their heels, and they were not prepared early on for the level of physicality yeah. that Minnesota brought. And I think part of that too was that. I think there was going to be this natural letdown from the team a little bit just based off the idea that it's just like no one thought the Wolves were going to have a chance in this game based off of the idea of who they had available to to them. Now, we we did, I think, a pretty good job of poking some holes in that mm-hmm. in the pod that we recorded on Tuesday morning. But by the end of the pod, we had talked ourselves right back into the idea of being very confident based off of this fact that the Lakers were going to be mentally prepared for what was going to come. But I think I'm most responsible for that because I think that I was – I was leading that charge and sort of dictating. And I think that that. How is it different than, how is it different than you expected in that, in that respect, Mike? So look, I mean, part of it's LeBron in the first half. I mean, let's just be honest about it. He, he was choosing not to get out to shooters uh, in a certain, and just let Anderson and then Torian Prince take three wide open shots. The Wolves made all three of them. And I thought that gave Minnesota a different feel um, that I think like they came in, I think they came in feeling better than people would have expected off the plane. It's like, it's us against them. Rudy wasn't there, right? They knew they were going to play five out. That is a a better way to attack this specific Lakers group. Yep. I think in some ways than it, had they had Gobert that would have played into the Lakers hands in different ways that would have slowed them down and all that. And I thought once that got them going and they were going to, they realized they were going to be able to play a certain way defensively with the whistle. It just, that, that set the game in a way that it shouldn't have. And it wasn't just LeBron. Like there were some other players doing that. We, you already mentioned d Um, You know, I thought there were like, like Troy didn't have his best night in terms of sort of confidence when the ball mm-hmm. was coming and rotations and, you know, Beasley was quiet. Like there, there were, the Lakers were not getting the ball in the right ways to AD, but that that's the kind of stuff that sh- quote unquote shouldn't have happened. Um, and, 
And I just thought that like, had they set that tone in the first quarter, they could have put the wolves in a, in, in a much different type of position and just not let them get a hold of the game uh, in a certain mm-hmm. way. Now they came back, they mm-hmm. got it done. I, I, just, I think it's a lesson they have to learn for the postseason. but I really was not based on the way that, you know, all of the, the team kind of was talking um, And Minnesota gets credit for that, by the way, they really do. They need to yeah. get credit for that. And this is one of those times where I thought it was fair that Darvinham gave it to them. But um, Darius, again, sorry to cut you off. It's just, I was sort of, I, I feel like I need to take that one because that was the thing that I wasn't expecting in a play in game setting when I, you know, they did not want to play on Friday. I thought they were going to be a little bit more, attuned to things like that and not let Minnesota get to the thing that we knew Minnesota was wanting to get to in this kind of a game. Yeah. So, so all of that is spot on from that perspective. The thing that was sort of nagging at me coming into the game, Pete was sort of like, who was LeBron going to guard and what was that going to look like? Anderson's a difficult cover Mm -hmm. for LeBron. I think like LeBron would much rather, I think, go up against a player like Towns or or even a guy like Edwards, who is going to be very much like in attack mode and go at you a very specific way. And I thought the Timberwolves were very smart in the way that they went after LeBron defensively. They had a great um, game plan for this game. And Finch is a really good coach, man. And mm. this team is much more like the team that he coached last season, the team that gave Memphis all that they could handle, playing through Towns and Edwards and being just a more five-out perimeter-based team. And one of the things, and so we've given Minnesota a lot of praise, and and I think that we've also like rightfully pointed out the ways that that the Lakers weren't good enough, but in the second half, the Lakers were so much better and so much mm-hmm. sharper mentally and even though the third quarter started in a way where i was just like oh man like this game feels over and it like in in a certain respect and pete you were very quick to kind of say there's so much time left left, yeah right like like there's so much game left here but it was sort of just the discrepancy in the level in which one team seemed comfortable and was doing what they wanted to do. And that team was not the Lakers. No, it was a slog for us. And they're getting clean looks in rhythm. Everyone's, you know, feeling good. Basketball is a flow sport. And this is something that we'll talk about with D'Lo, I think more down the line. But when you get a team kind of in that rhythm, that's when the threes are going to fall. And then conversely, when you're not and everything is a slog, all of a sudden your skill guards can't hit a shot. Right. It's it's funny Almost how that works. Every three that Conley took was in like perfect rhythm. Yeah. It seemed like well, the whole game. Also, too, Mike, like the thing with Minnesota is that this was their free money game. And so they did not look like the team that was feeling any pressure. They were on the road. They were the shorthanded team. They were the team no one expected to win. And now they're playing a totally different style than the one that the Lakers would, in theory, be most prepared for with the players that they just played this team like two weeks ago. 
and the Lakers won, Pete. And so that idea of like which direction it's it's going to go, I thought Minnesota's just like free money for us. Like if we yep. lose, we get to go play at home after this, the next game against some team that will be favored to beat. And they did a great job of pressing their advantages with that. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into a little discussion about the AD and LeBron dynamic. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, LeBron and AD, uh, where else to start uh, as we not just think about that game, but this Lakers season and a postseason run. And they, first of all, are both healthy uh, going into this playoff stretch after not together being healthy throughout the regular season. In the specific game against Minnesota, and I want to kind of kick this to you guys as a way to think about how the team is playing and like what they're doing. And uh, I... I asked AD a question about the way that teams are playing him defensively because the way when AD's on offense, I don't think he need. There are many questions about what AD's doing on defense uh, right now. I thought he was mm-hmm. spectacular. Yes, barring that one bad mistake that yeah. almost cost the Lakers and certainly cost Dennis Schroeder his uh, <sighs> moment in the sun. Yes. But I'm not going to be critical. He was the only starter in the positive. AD was a plus nine. Everyone else was negative or uh, at at best or a, a zero. And so yeah. yeah. And LeBron at the team worst minus 14. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, but this is kind of how it plays into it, right? So there's a certain way that I think that there's been this certain shift in terms of who's the best player uh, now. And LeBron can still be the best player in the world on any given night. But AD 
consistently, you're right, in, in age 30 versus age 38, where LeBron is a year 20. You know, of course, it should be that way. But there's still a certain way that LeBron plays. And it's worked better mm-hmm. than almost any basketball player ever, um, the way that he's played. And it's funny because it's evolved some from early in his career when he used to get criticized, you know, for making the right play. And, you know, more lately as a Laker, like more often than not, it does seem like LeBron is the one that is initiating everything late and deciding when to shoot, and deciding when to dribble at the top of the floor. And um, it, it still can work. But I think that like there are Anthony Davis is there. And even if teams are blitzing him, what is the, the proper number of touches and shots and all that? And how much has that balance shifted? How much does it need to shift against a Memphis team that, by the way, didn't double him that much in the regular season? And I'm just curious what you guys saw, where you feel, whether you want to take something out of the Minnesota game or just extrapolate it moving forward. Because I think that, you know, everybody else should fall into place behind that and the other Laker guards need to do a better job, you know, of of kind of knowing what that balance is in the Laker coaching staff. I think uh, it's it's a challenge, right, when you have two players that powerful and dominant um, to sort of dictate terms too much. But I'd love to get your guys' perspective on on that dynamic with LeBron and AD. The LeBron and AD dynamic is mostly going to come down to what LeBron decides. And he's he's grandfathered in to that, Mike. Like it, it it's very similar to if it was Kobe, right? Like this is the premier player of his generation and one of the handful of players who over the last 20 to 25 years has has a say in being in those discussions as like one of the greatest handful ever, right? And I'd say the same if it was Magic Johnson, as Kobe Bryant, as LeBron James, like all those guys were Lakers. I've got to see all of them play a ton of basketball games up close. And that play-to-play decision-making is going to fall on them as lead ball handler types and as perimeter-based players. This game stood in stark contrast to the last game that the Lakers played against Minnesota where they just spammed AD actions and AD post-ups the entire last stretch of the game. And some of that was on LeBron too, right? He was the one calling those shots a little bit as well. And so I just think I'm not going to like too hard second guess, like play to play decision making from from LeBron James. Like I, I think to a certain extent, that's that's a not my place. Right. But B, it's it's one of those things where if you really sat down with him, he could tell you what he was thinking on oh, yeah. any given play and, and explain it and probably convince you. Right. I do think, though, tonight in this specific game, the balance was a little bit out of whack and I'd like to see AD featured more and I'd like to see him featured more in non pick and roll actions where they're just giving him post ups and letting him work a little bit. But it is tricky. And I acknowledge the fact that when you've got two players who were this good, but one of them's a post player, then finding the right avenues in order to get the post player the ball that's always there's always an extra layer to that onion to peel back and it's on lebron i think to figure some of that out 
Yeah, I'm I'm not even entirely sure all of the reasons why, but throughout the history of the NBA, getting your ball get, or getting the ball to the dominant big in the last three minutes of a close game has been typically more diff- difficult. Right now, AD has a level of ball handling that I don't think we access enough, in uh, that I think is something that is an alternative to setting the down screen for him in the corner or running a post up for him where we can actually just give AD the ball there. I love the inverted ball screen stuff that we do with him, but just legit give him the ball at the three, uh, three point line, but faced up and have him beat these guys, beat guys off of the dribble, including these smaller players who are going to foul him on a lot of those possessions with respect to LeBron. Like that makes sense that that's the element of his game that that's what father time takes first, right? Is the athletic explosiveness. I've seen some difficulties with him, like chopping his feet and changing direction in ways that he used to be able to, because what, what was always so remarkable about him is at his size, physically being as powerful as he is, being able to like plant his foot and change direction very quickly. Because just think of the physics of that, of all of that weight moving as fast as he can to be able to like land and then change direction as a player gets yeah. older that gets harder to do and maybe you take a little extra skip step that takes an extra you know split second that you're not quite there on and so the idea of lebron beating guys with burst off of the dribble from the perimeter i think i just i believe in that on a championship level less and less which is not to say that he should not do it or that he shouldn't be our primary decision maker. But what I would argue, D, is that we have AD space to the corner on a lot of these plays, Yeah. right? And it's like, if LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands, it's going to be a pick and roll in a lot of these situations. And if they switch it, like work to seal your man and establish that inside position and throw the ball into AD on that when you have both advantage in terms of matchup and the inside position, right? And so it's like, I, I think what it is, Mike, is like that bridging of LeBron and AD's talents to help AD help LeBron and help LeBron help AD. And I think that the idea of us, of them just having played what, this was their eighth game in a row, I think, or seventh game in a row. When was the last time that happened? And so as much as we think of LeBron and AD as foundational principles of the team, there is an unfamiliarity with them in in terms of they haven't done it consistently at a high level in a very long time together that I still think they're working through. All really good thoughts. You know, LeBron still offensively tonight was efficient. You know, he was 12 for 21. Like he, he did a lot of great work getting to the rim and finishing through contact. Um, he was three for six from three. He made all three of his free throws. Probably couldn't got a got a couple more attempts. It's just a turnover though was was not great. Like it was only six to five, and that's something where ideally, like if you can get two to one, great. But even if it's something a little closer for all the, the plays that he was trying to make, and so and Darius, to your point earlier, there's nobody that has earned more trust, you know, going yeah. into a playoff series than LeBron. That he's going to figure out what the other team is doing. He's going to get the guys the right shots in the other way. So I'm. I'm trying to not, I don't want to suggest that I'm approaching this from a like, Hey, you know, look, AD he's, he's passing LeBron. It's from, he, LeBron has to cater to that. Like, no, it's, it's, I think that, that it would be optimal for both guys and the rest of the team. If LeBron just had a little bit less usage yep. on top of the floor with in, in off the dribble and trying to break down defenses and, you know, Austin and D'Lo, D'Lo didn't play well tonight, but could do some of that. And AD, like Pete said, AD's really good. You can give him the ball anywhere on the court. 
and he can make something good happen. You know, he does, he's not just a big, like he's got guard skills, you know? And I, I just, that's all. It's like, how much can you take some of the offensive usage for this postseason run off of LeBron, give it to other guys, get a little bit more defensive um, usage yes. from LeBron. That's you know, the mix. And, and yeah. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like 5%, you know, 5%, a little bit like 5% more on defense, you know, maybe get out. And, and it feels so dumb, right? When you're trying to, from afar, or in my case, from, you know, 30 feet away, be like, yeah. hey, why don't you just do this a little? Like, no, yeah, LeBron right. knows exactly <laughs> what he's doing. It's just, I'm, that's just what, what it's felt like for me this whole season to an extent when they played together. Um, and, and the fit around them has gotten so much better since the trade deadline that a lot of that stuff is just, it's in it, tonight, by the way, it was still good enough to win. It's just like, if they, if they're going to really, is. if yeah. they're going to really win, right. Yeah. And yeah. they could figure, and they can come upon that right formula and play that way. Like they got a real, they can, they can do some real damage. If they play how they play tonight and they're, they haven't quite optimized it yet. They could lose in round one. That's all. I'm so glad we're at the point where somebody has to beat us four times out of seven. The one thing that I, I would add to this mix that I, is favorable to them is I do think the team is legitimately tired. And Darius, you're a runner, and I'm sure that you've seen your stamina improve over the course of, of years. And But when you hit that point where you're gassed, like you can push through it to a point, but you could hear them even in the post game. Uh, Rui was talking about this. AD was talking about it, about getting that time off. They've been going in that if you lose this game tonight, you are super screwed relative to where you could be. It's been that for so long that I think that that is factored in as well. I think we've been watching a team that's that is legitimately tired just due to the circumstance and this reset of these four days off, I think are going to be very important. Imagine like young OKC rolling in here on Friday. And just being like, are you, f-? and then, and then, <laughs> and then just getting through that game, right? Like yeah. probably by the skin of your teeth and then flying to Memphis on Saturday to play a to new lose by 40. Time yes. game. Yeah. On, I mean, no, yeah. untenable, untenable. Yeah. And they yeah. just, they just got around it. Darwin's been talking about trying to get these guys extra rest and managing their time appropriately since the aftermath of the loss to the Clippers. Yeah. And and he easily could have been saying that a few games before that if he wanted to, but he just didn't because there was no place for that in the dialogue we had or to win the, the lexicon games. of the team. Like, you don't want to give your team an out before that. And we, I personally was understanding of why he was playing that card the way that he was, even though I didn't necessarily like it because you, you gave the team an opportunity to sort of lean on the fact like, well, we're tired. So one of the reasons why we're not doing the stuff that you want us to be doing is because we're tired. And I think that that's a tricky line to it's just a tricky path to navigate when you're the head coach and then you're looking at your leaders and one of your leaders is in his 20th season and has played more minutes than basically anyone combined playoff and, and regular season minutes than anyone in the history of the league. But. But. For all the down and like I'm we'll have plenty of more time to talk about LeBron and AD and like what they mean to a playoff series over the next few days in the lead up to, to the Memphis game. I want to again like circle back. Mike, you brought them up earlier, but Rui and Dennis, man. Yeah. Like 
like I've always said that a really good NBA team has like seven starters, <laughs> right? Like if you're a championship team, you've got six or seven starters, right? You don't have five. And this team over the last couple of weeks, few weeks, I think, ever since the aftermath of that Bulls game on the Sunday, LeBron's first game back where Rui didn't play. And and like I was I was distraught at the fact that Rui didn't play that game. I like I was pretty upset. It probably came off in the pod that we recorded the next day. But but I was none too pleased since that point. Rui's been fantastic. And Dennis has been a guy, Mike, that has started a bunch of basketball games this season. And then he lost his starting job when the Lakers traded for D'Angelo Russell. But Dennis has been a starting caliber player pretty much all season for the Lakers. And Dennis and Rui were huge tonight. I was looking at, um, it's funny because the NBA site, if you try to look up games for today, there's no stats on them because these games... They're they live in the ether. They like that's they, right. Yeah, these play-in games are yes, in this bizarre they're not regular season Twilight games. World. They're, yeah. they're not playoff games. But <laughs> if you go to the NBA site and you look at the box score, you can bring up the advanced box score. When Dennis was on the floor, the Lakers had a net rating of plus thirty-one point five. Their defensive rating was seventy-seven point eight. When Dennis was on the floor, offensive rating of one hundred nine point two. When Rui was on the floor. The Lakers were a plus 33.5 net rating, 112.7 offensive rating, 79.2 defensive rating. The Lakers don't win this game without these two dudes playing to the level that that they did. And so we'd be remiss if we didn't spend a handful of minutes just talking about Dennis Schroeder and Rui. Man, Rui, Dennis hit what should have been the game winner. Rui started the overtime with a three. And I wrote this for the for the recap that's up at, at Lakers.com. That three, the Lakers never fell below that three-point lead. Rui gave them a three-point lead, and that three-point lead persevered throughout the entirety of overtime. So that's how important of a shot that bucket was. And so I'm kicking it to you guys. Rui, Dennis, what y'all got for me? Let man? me take Dennis, because remember this past summer, he played in Eurobasket, and those were... Those are great games in terms of the competitive atmosphere, the crowd. It is not an NBA regular season game. The intensity level is just way higher than that. And yes, the talent level is not as good and you've got not the same level of athlete necessarily, but there is no moment that is too big for Dennis Schroeder and no moment where he's not totally down for the fight and ready to fight the fight to the best of his capabilities. On a more practical sense, we rightfully place AD's defense on a pedestal as and as what really holds us all together defensively. But Dennis is the point of attack. He's where it starts defensively. And his ball pressure on Jordan McLaughlin, he kicked his butt in two separate games in, in the last two games they played. And then on Mike Conley later in the game, a big part, Mike, of why the defense went the way that it did. So it started that way because of Dennis, even if AD was the guy finishing the play. You know, the other thing about Dennis, so take, just take all, let me just zoom out for a second and, and take all of that, of course, accurate perspective on, on him in the game. He's just a tough guy. You know, he, he's just tough. He, he doesn't care about, uh, 
you're not going to knock him off what he wants to get to. Nope. He might not perform on a given night. In fact, he played poorly in the first half. He didn't play well the previous couple of games. But, you know, when and this is where I think that like Darvin Ham, this is one of the things that earlier in the season and maybe there were some lineups that weren't optimal and Dennis was in some of them, like the small lineups. But I think by now we've seen why Dennis earned the trust of an assistant that was around him for five years. Yep. That just really knew him. And that's a big time quality in a game like that to have. Forget again, forget the shot making, which was good for him. Forget the just the just the willingness to battle, to not shy away from the moment, um, to as a not not a great three point shooter to rise up and actually hit that shot. Uh, and I know Pete was going nuts because I couldn't at first hit or think of the shot that the game in which he missed a potential. No, it was all you guys. Track. So they're interviewing yeah. Dennis in post game in, in the locker room. And Dennis is lamenting. He's like, I had a shot just like that earlier in the season. And we were talking about this on the pod yesterday. I brought this, that exact shot up where LeBron's shoe blew up, but then he makes this heroic pass to Dennis in the corner. Who's wide open and he just misses it. And so, but all the reporters all of y'all were there, and none of you could remember. And I'm sitting on the Hold couch. On. It's Hold like on. torture. Hold on. Who who did who did remember? And who was threw it, out the answer first? You, it was you. It was, it was you. me. It Thank was you. Me. And but but do you see that was like a couple of minutes later, and so like everybody's around. Like well, I, I can't remember which game it was. Somebody else's question. I had to wait like a little bit, and I had to fact check it on my phone. I'm like I think it was the Charlotte game. Didn't want to shout it. Anyway, now we're, we're getting distracted. The point is, <laughs> no. All, I, all I'm saying is thank you for that because I'm on my couch like screaming at my TV, and it felt very like breaking the fourth wall moment, D. Where this happens sometimes. You know, he'll shout you out on the on the broadcast. Yes. It's like yes. our text messages are coming to life. So I didn't Pete see the yelling, text. I didn't see the text. Yeah, no, no I know it was recorded before that. It, that oh. was you. But it, it was the most random Charlotte. And I was just like, like <laughs> what, oh, my text what, does it, what does this text even mean? That's he right. Just it had no context. Yes. He just texted Charlotte, yeah. and I'm yeah. just like, "Sorry, I, I, I've now anyways. taken two minutes away out of our already tight. No, 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 no. Tight, yeah, no I needed to laugh. Hey, to celebrate, we made the playoffs. Yes. I know but we're here. Dumb let me, let me pull us, and- let me pull us back in for a second, though, and just give Rui a, Rui a second, please. Rui, especially since LeBron came back and his his just sort of adopted exactly how the Lakers want, coaching staff like wants him to play. And he's battling on the glass. He's flying out on defense. He's yeah. guarding bigs. Uh, he's switching. Like he, he's just he's become uh, the fact that that Darvin Ham can go to him with four minutes left and take Vanderbilt out. Who did by the way? Like Vanderbilt didn't have a good game in terms of plus minus, or mm-hmm. he only he took two shots. He missed them both. But like he was battling and defending Edwards, who was by the way three for seventeen. Um, I think there are some mm-hmm. other reasons for that as well. But so, yeah, so just to have the level of trust for Rui there um, is is massive. And I think he's going to be a key uh, part of this playoff series against a big physical Memphis team. You know, it's funny, D, when we traded for Rui the first month to six weeks or so, I kept saying, I feel off balance watching him. Like, I don't really have a good sense of him. And I think a big part of that was because Rui himself was off balance. And I think that he's really gained just a level of, I know how I fit into the overall picture now. And he's, like Mike was saying, really giving his best effort and, and energy. And LeBron speaks so glowingly of his level of engagement in terms of what do you need from me? How, how can I get better? That I, I don't know, man, like every Rui's plus minus and just his overall level of play is it just been just 
indispensable for this team. He's just a great compliment to LeBron. He's a great compliment to AD. He can play next to either one without the other one on the floor. He's got good chemistry with LeBron in, in pick and rolls. He's just a good sort of like secondary shot creator, sort of solo guy who could like go on his own little guitar riff if you need him <laughs> to for for nice. a little mid-range jumper, right? Like yeah. he's he's just a good basketball player will he ever be the guy who you who not you but like who scouts sort of like oh man look at this physical specimen coming out of college and that idea of like oh the mid-range game and like the defensive tools and all and the guy who he can I, be the man. he went yeah. yeah like the guy who went seventh I think in his draft he may never live up to be that guy but as a guy who can play next to LeBron and AD and slot between him and play in a closing lineup where it's like he can on one possession guard Carl Anthony Towns and on the next possession guard whatever other big forward you have and then help on the glass and block a shot here or there, hit a big three, attack a closeout one or two dribble pull up jumper, swing swing guy. He He's just a good basketball player and he he doesn't have to be the guy that he was drafted to be on this specific team because they've got two guys who were number one overall picks who are going to be those dudes for you night after night after night and will take the hits when they're not we spend a lot of this pod talking about what lebron wasn't tonight or what he could have been or how to transition to the other guy who is the number one overall pick, right? It's just like those guys are going to carry that load for you. And it allows a guy like Rui to slot to where he needs to be slotted to. And like with Dennis, it's just like we didn't really get to deload this pod and that's fine. Like I think we'll talk a lot about him in the lead up to the Memphis series when we do a full-blown preview. But The thing that I would say about Dennis is like he stepped in for a guard who wasn't having his best night and Austin didn't have his best night either. Right. Austin did some some good Austin things, but he didn't get the whistle. Some of his shots didn't fall. And it was Dennis who scored 21 points, 18 combined in the second half and OT. So speaking to that rough first half that he had, 18 of his 21 in those final 29 minutes of the game. A big game. Hell yeah. The Lakers are going to the freaking playoffs, man. They're the number seven seed and they're going to be going toe to toe with a Grizzlies team that is for all the smoke that Dylan Brooks says that he wants. Well, he's going to get it (laughs) right. All the footsteps that Desmond Bain said, oh, like those footsteps. We ain't scared of those footsteps no more. Well, they're going to be in Memphis on Sunday at noon. And so we're going to talk way more about that series, but I'm so happy that the Lakers did what they did today in order to give themselves a couple of days off and and refresh mentally and physically for what we all hope can be a run, Mike. Pete, I want to make one last point and then let you close it out for us here. Uh, So I think that this game specifically with the way that Minnesota played super physical, you know, super handsy, with a, a stretch five on offense, like it, it's a good lead in game to a Memphis yes, series. 
right? Sharon Jackson Jr., yes, he does a little bit more inside, and he's a totally different defensive player than Cat. Like, that's a different thing to talk about. But offensively, um, he likes to shoot threes this year. He's been making a decent amount of them. They've got Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain, both super physical. Um, they've got, you know, Tillman and some other guys off the bench, Conchar, that can be physical. And, the, you know, then they've got Ja. Jaws certainly a little bit different than anything that Minnesota has, but there's some parts of what Edwards does that you have to play the way that he can impact the defense like him, the attention that you have to give him, the amount of traps that they may have to get to, you know, the shooting that they had tonight relative to what Memphis has. Like it, it's a, it, but just if anything else, just a reminder, you know, and not necessarily for like LeBron or AD, they know, but for, Hey, this is the physical level. This is going to yep. be for D'Lo for Austin Reeves. Right. For uh, for, you know, Dennis kind of matches that pretty well. But I, I think that that was a good team, uh, a good to get a real game in uh, and say, all right, this is this is what this grind is going to be like now. And and they got a, they got a good shot and they're they're healthy. You know, this this again, talk to me at any point of the season and tell me this is the scenario. Tell me that Brandon Clark and Steven Adams are out, um, which I wanted to lead with and, and now mention at the end. And, you know, and I'll take it. Absolutely. Like it's a, it's remarkable that we're here and the basketball gods have given us those sorts of tests at exactly the right time at a few points throughout the season, right? Exactly that team that would be great to play in preparation, but you still get the win by the skin of your teeth, you know, Um, but we've always come through just barely that whole idea of catching the flight. We get there just on time to the uh, great consternation of a lot of us, but they end up getting the W. So tomorrow's pod, I think, is going to be more of a self-scout where we talk about D'Lo, we talk about sort of the issues with our team, and then we'll be progressively turning our attention toward Memphis toward the end of the week leading into the weekend. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two one. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers.
the Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.